we got another day of NBA action. And with FanDuel, every night is a watch party. So it's time for your FanDuel crew to make their bets. So, what's the move tonight, gang? You know that new customers who bet $5 get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Woohoo! We're heating up, fam. Bet all the stars with all your friends and make every moment more only on FanDuel. New customers bet $5, get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Make every moment more with FanDuel. It goes down in the dim. It go down. It go down in the dim. 21 plus and present in Virginia. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus vest that expires seven days after receipt. See full terms at FanDuel.com slash sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Welcome to the Confident Retirement Podcast. Is doing the most important things alone a good idea? How comfy are you with your choices when it comes to life's biggest decisions? What is real peace of mind with financial confidence and how can you get it? Chris Fleming and Mark Peachy are the founders of LPF Advisors in Sarasota, Florida. On the show, they bring together the best and brightest minds to share with you how to have a more confident financial picture. They empower listeners with simple, common sense and financial wisdom. And now, here are your hosts from LPF Advisors. All right, I want to welcome everybody to the Confident Retirement Podcast brought to you by LPF Advisors. I am your host, Chris Flaming, and today I have the honor of bringing Trish Butcher to the show. Her firm, Butcher Health Law, specializes in helping medical practitioners and families with special needs loved ones protect their wealth and pass it on to the next generation. As a licensed family business lawyer, she carefully guides clients through the confusing maze of financial and legal decisions that life most certainly brings. All this while juggling marriage, motherhood, pet parenting, and cheering on the Georgia Bulldogs. So Trish, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me, Chris. So yeah, good dogs. <laughs> All right, yeah. so let's jump in. I'm sure you have kind of an interesting uh, history of how you came to be where you are now, how you came to the, the position that you have and the firm that you created. So just briefly take us through your history and how you came to opening your own firm. Yeah, absolutely. So I am from Athens, Georgia. So I was born and raised a dog and uh, I went to the University of Georgia for undergrad. And then I went to Emory Law School up in Atlanta. Mm -hmm. And uh, both of my grandfathers were doctors. My uncle was a doctor. I had four nurses in my family. Um, and then my mom ended up marrying an endodontist. So I have a lot of medical professionals in my family. So I was okay. always really interested. And uh, once I realized that I didn't like science enough to pursue actually going to medical school, I decided to go ahead and uh, go to law school. And I'll tell you, originally I went to law school to actually be a politician. And then I became a lobbyist at uh, the Georgia Capitol. And okay. I was like, no, never mind. I'm good. Right, right, right. <laughs> How long did that take? Probably about a week. <laughs> okay. So you realized quick. I did. I did. So I ended up uh, getting an internship with the Medical Association of Georgia, and I ended up being with them for over five years. I was their legal counsel, and I wrote several legislations. I worked really closely with the Composite Medical Board, which is the licensing board here in Georgia, okay. as well as the uh, pharmacy board, the dental mm. boards. 
So I worked really closely with all of them and uh, I represented at one point about 8,000 positions. So yeah, so I, and I love them. I, you know, I just, I, <laughs> because I was raised around right. so many of them. Yeah. Yeah. You fit um, right in. You're comfortable. I do. And frankly, you know, they work their, their behinds off to get to where they are. And, you know, medical school doesn't really teach you anything about the legalities yeah. of being a doctor. Certainly not about opening your own practice, but it's yep. also not about anything to do with asset protection mm -hmm. um, or, you know, passing on your hard-earned income that you've worked so hard for. Yeah. Um, so I got into the medical field in that way when my husband and I decided to leave Atlanta to raise our family elsewhere and move back to Athens. I worked as of counsel for a firm in Augusta that worked primarily with medical professionals okay. and then decided that probably my best bet was to not have a boss. And yeah, uh, yeah. so I decided to open up my own firm and do things a little bit differently than I had ever seen uh -huh. a firm do them in the past. Yep. So I, I knew the one thing I wanted to do was not hourly bill. I can't mm -hmm. stand hourly billing on my side or for the client side. Who I can? Like yeah, yeah, I know. It's awful. It's awful. Right. Um, there's surprise bills that everyone gets so angry about. Yeah. So, um, I like to develop a really close personal relationship with my clients. And in order to do that, they need to know that they're not going to be charged $300 for asking me a question. So I decided to open my, my own law firm and I stumbled across the new law business model. And it was just, I did a six month boot camp master course on estate planning mm. and business planning the new law business model way, which is, mm -hmm. um, for business, it's a legal insurance financial tax platform. I only okay. work with health and wellness and medical professionals on the business side. And then for the estate planning side, I work with uh, families with special needs loved ones. I work a lot with young families because uh, what I tell people is at the end of the day, your kids are your most important asset. So if you mm -hmm. have kids, you have a reason to do estate planning. Mm -hmm. um, and then of course, uh, yeah, my, my niche is definitely with medical professionals. Again, um, helping make sure that they're protecting their legacy, their hard, their mm -hmm. hard-earned assets, their houses, and their family for the future generations. So yeah, and I, I th that's so interesting what you say because I find you know like you were just saying they don't understand coming out of uh, medical school the legalities and the estate planning considerations with having their own business and protecting themselves. Um, I also wish they had a financial literacy course for yeah. medical professionals when they come out because I see some crazy stuff that they decided to get involved in, you know, from an investment standpoint and uh, have their next way out there on the next thing and, and a series of really bad choices and can lose a lot of money. So I, yeah, I completely agree with you there. So I'm curious now that you've had your firm for several years, is there something, if you could go back and tell the younger you when you started, if you can go back and tell that person, here's some advice or here's something that I wish I would have known when I started out, what do you think that would be? Well, I actually only opened my firm last year. Oh, so, okay. So yeah, you're still the young you. Yeah, so it's still pretty <laughs> young. And uh, in all honesty, um, I started out thinking I was going to be doing more helpful direction. And that's kind of okay. where my name came from, but you're yeah. helpful. Um, although I will say my last name is pretty ironic in consideration to medical or yeah. like family yeah. mushy feeling. Um, right. You know, the good old butcher. But yeah. Um, the only one worse would probably be like slaughter or something like yeah, that. Right. Uh, but that's memorable. That makes you memorable. Yeah. So <laughs> I had previously owned another business. So okay. thankfully, I, I actually knew a lot of the hurdles that I needed yep. to avoid when opening this business, like just on a business standpoint. Mm -hmm. 
you know, when you open a business, you really just have to go all in and make, you know, make those investments that sometimes yeah. feel a little scary. So I, you know, I did that. The number one thing I, I'm going to have to rebrand. So I won't be Butcher Helpful for too long. So now I'm about to have to go through the rebranding process. Okay. I think my firm will actually become named uh, Arch Legacy Firm for the, you know, after the channeling that UGA Arch, which is our yeah. big, you know, landmark in Athens. Because I think it fits probably a little bit more about the, you know, what I do with my law right. firm now. So, yeah. But I mean, that was just a growing process of not, you know, mm-hmm. of discovering exactly where I wanted my law firm to go and how yeah. I wanted to help people. But I'm, I'm really thankful I found the new law business model because I love estate planning. I really love working with people, protecting their families and creating very personalized and comprehensive plans that will actually mm-hmm. work when yeah. they need them to. Versus, you know, unfortunately, a lot of attorneys just still do those fill-in-the-blank wills that really do nothing for you. And they certainly don't protect your asset. Yeah, I think so of I'm it just... in terms of it's like a transactional type relationship versus a, a wealth oversight or a consultative one, right? Where well, we're not just doing a transaction. We want to be involved in their entire um, estate and financial situations to give them advice on whatever may come up. So Give me a simple way that you describe or explain to potential clients or clients why they should have a comprehensive estate or an asset protection plan for their wealth. Yeah. So a lot of people don't realize that wills do not avoid the probate process. Mm -hmm. The probate process is going to be very different in every state. It's different in Georgia. It's different in Florida. Georgia has technically supposedly one of the friendliest probate processes Florida does not. Uh, (laughs) So Florida charges actually a 3% to 2.5% once you're over a million dollars for estates to go through the probate process. It's $3,000 to file it plus 3% for anything over $100,000 to $300,000, I mean, to a million, and then 2.5 over a million. Mm -hmm. So it's obviously, as you can imagine, that's going to rack up quite a bit of fees. Um, And then add in the 3% that your attorney is going to charge. And that's Mm -hmm. insane. So a lot of people don't realize that wills don't avoid probate. Obviously, if you don't have anything, it's going to go through probate. Yeah. The example that I give a lot of people is my firsthand experience with a estate plan gone bad was my grandparents were remarried. My grandmother was a real estate investor. Her husband, technically my step-grandfather, I called him my grandfather, was a doctor. Mm. Uh, They had a pretty complicated estate. Obviously, they amassed a good amount of properties and wealth. And um, my dad was an only child. And then my grandfather had two children from a previous Mm. marriage as well. Their estate was a disaster. They probably Mm. spent, I'd say, over $25,000 on estate planning because they had all these random trusts Mm -hmm. set up. So Mm -hmm. I know they spent a lot of money on it. But in the end, my dad was in court in conflict for four years after my uh, grandfather passed away. And it was just, Mm. I mean, it was a mess. His children sued the estate multiple times. They actually even accused me of embezzling, which is really funny. Let me tell you. So, I mean, it was just, it was, it was a disaster. It was, it was just a mess. Um, And a lot of people don't realize that wills do nothing to avoid this for them. Mm -hmm. So if they're price shopping and looking around for the cheapest, you know, solution to writing a will online or with an attorney that just does fill in the blank wills, they don't realize that that really does nothing because um, my dad then actually went to one of the most, you know, well-known estate planning attorneys in Athens at a big firm. 
Um, a lot of people kind of refer to him. And my dad was over 60, a smoker and single. And the only thing they did for my dad was create a will that left his estate split three ways between his three children. So number one, the law would have already done that. So the yeah. will didn't even accomplish anything at all. It yeah. will still have to go through probate the law would have already said that it would be split between three ways. Uh, mm -hmm. Furthermore, they didn't do any incapacity documents. Mm -hmm. So that healthcare power of attorney, yep. the power of attorney, the uh, advanced healthcare living director for mm -hmm. living will, mm -hmm. um, none of those were created. So if mm -hmm. anything had happened to him and he was in the hospital, we would have still had to go petition a judge to be able yeah. to make healthcare decisions for him. Yeah. And he was a single smoking, you know, older male. So I right. mean, there's no reason for them not to have been like, Hey, you know, Hey Steve, you need to have these documents in place. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, but unfortunately, you know, that's what a lot of attorneys do. And one of them once told me, well, you know, we do what the client wants. And I say, well, how does the client know what they want if you don't educate them first? Yeah. So my process is an educational process. We do a lot of revocable living trusts because those avoid the probate, probate yeah. process if funded mm -hmm. properly. Um, and unlike most attorneys, we actually work with our clients to help them fund them. The so that's a really, really, really important piece that people need to realize there's two steps in that. There's creating the revocable trust. Then you have to actually go through the funding part. And how many times have you probably ran into where someone had one, but that wasn't properly funded? Oh, yeah. Um, e easy thing to miss. Okay. So you kind of talked a little bit about what caused you to specialize with medical professionals. I'm curious, the special needs planning. So what was your motivation there to have a niche or a specialty in that? And is there a tactic or tool that's absolutely necessary for those people to succeed from an estate standpoint? Yeah. So, you know, it's not even necessarily succeeding. Um, mm -hmm. It's creating something for your child or your loved one that they would never be able to create for themselves. Mm -hmm. um, so my really good friend, who's actually a financial planner in Athens. I've done a couple webinars with him. I'm really yep. close with him. His son is special needs. And so he kind of got me really, really thinking about it. And, you know, as a parent, for me, anyhow, it's hard enough just having a so-called, you know, normal child. But, yeah. um, and so I just, I, I can't imagine what it's like for these parents to be thrown into this world of unknowns and mm -hmm. not have the resources, you know, taught to them right off the bat. There's lots of parenting books. There's not a sure. lot of parenting resources aimed at the special needs. Yeah. Uh, you know, population and families. And it's so important for them. Actually, um, I'm now on the board for a very newly formed Georgia um, Alliance for Special Needs Families. And so I work really closely with them. And so one of those pieces is definitely making sure that their estate plan is actually going to protect their loved ones for life. So for example, one of the tools that's really, really, really important with you have a special needs loved one mm -hmm. is a special needs or a supplemental needs trust. It's the same okay. thing. It's called either and, you know, this is really, really important because these kids, these young adults, these adults, however, you know, they're going to need a lot of assistance, a lot of yeah. financial support through life. Mm -hmm. Their medical bills are super expensive. And for families that have more wealth, it's amazing, even if you're well off, how quickly yeah. you can go through that wealth. Yeah. For example, uh, my friend once told me, he said, you know, we just have to come to the come to terms with the fact that while our friends are buying vacation properties or lake houses or whatever, we're going to end up having to hire a full time medical you know assistant because yeah. their son's now seventy pounds, can't walk, 
And so they need a lot of help with him. And so that being said, you know, you really need government assistance Mm -hmm. to help pay. So in Georgia, uh, we have Katie Beckett. Uh, as they get older, you know, they really have to qualify for that, you know, the yep. Medicaid, the mm-hmm. Medicare supplemental support mm-hmm. for living expenses and, you know, everything like that. So by creating a special needs trust, what you're doing is you're making their life certainly, you know, you're supporting them with with things they need to make their life a little more comfortable, mm-hmm. but you're not giving them those assets outright. Right so that actually they still qualify for government right. assistance yeah, and so government assistance isn't enough as it is. Right. So, you know, they yeah. really need all the help they can get. So it, in a simple way, it's, you can, when you're providing that assistance, it's not disqualifying them from qualifying for those other government programs. Correct. Is that true? Yeah. Okay. So all you're, right. you're trying to make sure that if they inherit some money that it is protected in a way that they can still qualify for government assistance. And the only way that they can do this is to have someone create this trust for them. There are special needs trusts that someone can create for themselves. So you can put all your assets into the trust and Mm. qualify for government assistance. But then once you pass away, the government's going to come raid that trust and whatever's Mm. left in there, they're going to take it as a payback for everything they've paid while you are still alive. So, I mean, in all honesty that, you know, it's not, it's not extremely beneficial. Kind of like the clawbacks with estate planning and to a certain degree. Yeah. Yeah. So let's shift gears a little bit. What do you, what do you personally like about most about your business right now? <laughs> Not having a boss, but <laughs> I'm with you on that. No, I really love working with families um, and getting to know all these different families from all these different backgrounds and what their goals are for life and what they'd like to do. My sister actually works with me. So that's really awesome. So we're kind of, you know, our family protecting other families. And she's a life insurance agent as well as kind of like my paralegal, basically. In all honesty, she probably knows more about these trusts than I do now. She's extremely detail-oriented. So I love working with these families and creating these comprehensive plans that actually fit their needs. Mm. And me being able to walk away knowing that I actually helped them and made Mm. an impact and that it will actually work if something happens to them. And in fact, we actually offer a kids protection plan Mm. and only attorneys that are licensed uh, personal family lawyers or family business lawyers can, can actually create these packages. So instead of just naming guardians for your kids, we name emergency guardians, guardians, We do minor medical power of attorneys, and we actually even give little ID cards for parents to keep in their wallet that says, hey, if anything happens to me, please call one of these people and make sure my children are taken care of. Because Mm -hmm. if they're on a date night and your kid's at home with a babysitter, you don't come home, the babysitter calls the police, well, police don't have any option but to take the child into protective custody until they can find you know, close relatives. So we kind of make sure that that's all avoided. If you don't live near close relatives, we, you know, close friends can be named Mm -hmm. and we give them the authorization that they need to keep your children out of protective custody. Okay. Um, Interesting. Yeah. So it's a whole nother way of, of looking at it. And so you just kind of get a warm, fuzzy feeling inside when you're like, wow, I'm actually making a difference. I'm actually creating plans that work for people versus, you know, offering the cheapest service possible and, and, and doing just fill in the blank wills and, you know, what's required to get by. 
yeah, yeah, exactly. And then waiting for them to pass away so that then we can probate the estate right. and make three percent. <laughs> yeah, get paid again on that. Yeah, I've been in some situations. Probate, so. Yeah, yeah. So when when people think about estate planning, what do you think is a big misconception that they have about either estate planning attorneys or just estate planning in general? That like the general public, what's a misconception they have? Well, first of all, people are always hesitant to talk to attorneys. They don't want to. Attorneys intimidate them. It's an unknown. It's uncomfortable. And unfortunately, what I've realized is that a lot of people, you know, when they think of talking to an attorney, they think of talking to, no offense, a middle-aged man with a suit on and a high-rise, you know, office in midtown Atlanta. Very impersonal, very, you know, kind of uncomfortable situation. So I tell my potential clients right off the bat, I say, listen, I don't wear suits um, and I don't have like some fancy apartment in downtown Athens or midtown Atlanta or whatever it is. Mm. But um, yeah, you know, again, it's just really, most people don't have any understanding of estate planning. Right. So it's coming It's an intimidating, hey, yeah. I need a will and to name guardians. That's what I hear the most. I need a will and to name guardians. And so I actually have a webinar that I try and kind of steer a lot of potential clients to because it honestly makes them understand if I'm going to be a good fit for them um, and if they're going to be a good fit for me because Mm -hmm. it walks them through the process of, hey, here's why you might need something a little bit more than just a will and naming guardians. And, you know, here's what I offer. Here's how I'm different than other attorneys. And here's going to be my average price range. Mm Because obviously a lot of the time people are looking for that, for that dollar, you know, how much money Mm -hmm. is this going to cost? And so it kind of walks them through that process, explaining the value of what I'm offering. Mm -hmm. Um, And I tell clients, I say, listen, you're developing a plan, you're paying a little bit more up front, you're doing a little bit more legwork by funding this trust up up front, but what you're doing is you're doing it so that your loved ones don't have to, and it's going to be way messier and way more expensive on the back end. So it's actually going to save your family money in the long run and save them so much hassle and time. Mm -hmm. And right now, the probate process is backed up, I mean, two years because of COVID. Because of COVID, right. It's just a, it's kind of a disaster. But so, I mean, it's just, I didn't really know much about estate planning before I really like dived into it. They don't even teach it in law school. So if, if they don't even teach it in law school that much, we all know that you know, the, the majority of people aren't going to know that much about it. Right. Yeah. Maybe enough to be dangerous or just what they looked up the night before they had a meeting with you online. You know, yeah, these are the exactly. questions I'm supposed to ask you. So here's what I'm going to ask. So um, tell me about a recent client experience, very satisfying, what problems they were facing, what they were trying to do, how you were able to help them and improve their life. So, um, Going back to kind of the medical side, I recently worked with a young physician and, um, and her husband, who's a banker, and they have one young minor child. So, of course, you know, as physicians, they kind of get it pounded into them that, you know, malpractice lawsuits, malpractice yeah. lawsuits. You have to protect yourself from malpractice lawsuits. And, you know, the good news is, is that maybe malpractice lawsuits aren't is something they need to be as scared of as they think they are because they are very you know, the actual lawsuit is very uncommon for it to actually go to a courtroom. Right. Right. You know, here in Georgia, we have mag mutual as one of our biggest insurers. Uh, yes. Medical association of Georgia mag did actually start them way back in the day, but they're separate entities now, but I worked very closely with them. I knew a lot of attorneys that work for them. They have the best attorneys. They have the best med mal defense attorneys on, you know, ever that they can call on. 
they very, very rarely take anything to court. Yeah. And almost everything settled out of court. Everything settled, right. And they're going to they're gonna spread the blame around, too. Yeah. Like, it's not going to all fall on the doctor. So mm-hmm. even if it is happened, you know, even if something does happen, it's typically not going to be millions and millions and millions of dollars. Right. However, obviously, it is something they're worried about. They are in that high-risk professional. They do have professional liability. Um, so I work with my clients. I'm kind of overlooking their entire plan. You know, do they have enough umbrella? Uh, insurance, mm-hmm. if they're worried about, uh, if they are worried about that liability, mm-hmm. what can we do to protect their assets now? Uh, what can we do to protect them if something was to happen to one of them? You know, do they have enough life insurance to support their spouse if mm-hmm. one of them passes away when they're making that much money per month? And then, of course, obviously, is their child protected? So we really um, work a lot with uh, something called Lifetime Asset Protection Trust. And these are trusts that uh, you can create for your children. No one else can, you can't create them for yourself. And they actually are trusts, they're generational trusts, so they can mm. keep going, you know, forever, basically. And they protect your children from predators, from student loans, from divorce, if they ever got a divorce. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of parents, you know, are really interested in that for their kids. So I was able to do all of this for this couple, create a really comprehensive plan, work on them with insurance, uh, work on them with um, making sure they had the best asset protection available while, you know, still living and working and, uh, and really, uh, you know, make them feel very secure knowing that, hey, yeah, I'm I'm still in this, you know, field that has a high risk of, you know, professional liability, but at least at this point, we're as covered as we can, you know, be Right. right now. Yeah, we covered We're all their bases. protected forever. <laughs> yeah, and you've covered all their blind spots. The ones that they knew they had and the ones that they didn't. Yeah, right? exactly. And that's the important thing is bringing those to their attention and, and covering those as well. Okay, so let's switch gears a little bit. I'm curious to know a little bit more about you. And um, tell me about your first memory or experience with money. Ooh, <laughs> okay, well, here's a good one, and it relates very closely to my uh, to what I do. So, I worked as actually as an insurance agent for my brother-in-law in college. But I mean, that was just you know drinking money. Yeah. Let's be honest. Right. Here, you're in college. Right. I went to the University of Georgia. Right. We we ranked right. as the you know number one party school for years. So, really, the first time um, I ever had any type of financial independence was. When right as I graduated college, I went straight into law school. Uh, my grandmother passed away and left mm. me, you know, a relatively small inheritance. Certainly small compared to what my student loan debt was going right. to be by the yeah. time I graduated from Emory Law School. Yeah. But yeah. it was enough to, you know, be like, ooh, okay, like you know, I can do something with this. So, um, so right around that time, Blockbuster went bankrupt. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, oh, I'm going to invest money in Netflix because Blockbuster just went bankrupt. So yeah, I'm going to invest right. money in Netflix. So let's let's go. So I mean, I think I invested like $10,000 or something in Netflix. And uh, let's just put it this way. If I had left that money in Netflix and it was still there today, yeah. I'd have hundreds of thousands of dollars. But yeah. instead, because I was 22 years old and had right. just inherited money, yeah. I found better reasons to invest that, you know, to use yeah. that money. So I, uh, I took it back out of Netflix after yeah. earning, you know, maybe a couple hundred dollars. 
and went and, and spin it. And I spent it all. It was all gone by the time I graduated law school. And instead, if I had left it in Netflix, hey, I would have actually been able to pay off my student loan debt, right. you know, in a few yeah. years. But uh, so, yeah. So what I tell clients is I'm like, okay, listen, you know, if you do a will, your children will inherit at 18. Like that mm -hmm. is the, that's the straight rule. Unless yeah. you do a testamentary trust, which is, right. which is a trust created by your will, uh, which is so silly. Why would you do that? If you're going yeah. to the extra cost and mm -hmm. process of setting up this trust, let's do it right. So you do not want your child to inherit a bulk sum of money at 18. No. Um, I inherited money at 22. And uh, look yeah, what happened. By <laughs> yeah. There's no way I should have inherited any money at 18. That would have been bad. No, I mean, we all know that, uh, how that money would have been spent. Um, yeah. we would have got out and bought a new car right. and a lot of, uh, you know, had a really good time in college. So, <laughs> so do you, okay. So then building on that, do you have any, so do you have any experiences either, either personally or in business that makes, made you keenly aware of the positive or the negative impact of wealth, right? Cause Money itself is not a positive or negative thing. It's how it's used, right? That makes it either yeah. a good or, or for good or for bad. So can you think of any, maybe an experience personally or otherwise that made you really aware of the negative impact or the positive impact of that? So my grandmother was a real estate investor. She, she made quite a bit of money. She came from absolutely nothing, uh, from a small town called Defuniac Springs in Florida, kind of near Destin. Um, and uh, she was one of eight children. She left home pretty young, moved in with her older sister, put herself through FSU, which at the mm. time was an all-women's school, and became a professor at U at, at Florida, and then uh, moved to Georgia when my dad was about eight. And um, so she became a real estate investor. So very, very intelligent lady, you know, uh, did very well for herself. She, she even invested in a lake house, Lake Burton. And I don't mm. know if you've heard of Lake Burton, but it's, right, uh, yeah, the most sought after lake in Georgia. I'm not at Lake Burton right now, unfortunately, okay. because uh, she did end up selling that house. But uh, she bought it for something like the land for 30000 and then sold the lake house for about $2 million. So wow. um, talk about a real estate investment. But, um, yeah. and trust me, we were very unhappy when she sold that lake house. Oh, but, I you know, know. but. My grandmother uh, manipulated with money. So she mm. really always felt like she had to buy your love with money. Mm. Um, I think it was probably her upbringing and yeah. uh, the fact that that's just, you know, she didn't know any better. And so I saw that firsthand. She was extremely yeah. wealthy, but the only way that she really showed love was by buying us things yeah. or paying for things. And I'm not mm -hmm. going to complain about having a nice car or whatever, but at the same time, like, you know, it would have been nice to actually connect to my grandmother. Mm -hmm. So I guess that'd be probably like my, um, you know, negative. And then, um, you know, uh, also just how it affected my dad, who was an only child, the mindset that he was raised with, that he was mm -hmm. going to inherit a, a good bit of money one day. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, like I mentioned earlier that obviously that probate process was not simple at all, right. but, uh, but yeah, so I saw that firsthand, and then, uh, and then on the other end, my 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 mom's parents. Uh, my grandfather was the head of the internal medicine department, Emory, mm. um, who is known as the the doctor's doctor. Okay. And uh, so, a lot of his clients were Jimmy Carter, President yeah. of Delta, President of Coca Cola. You know, he saw the the big wigs of the Atlanta mm -hmm. scene, and um, and he was a completely different. You know, he was more frugal. 
and he had one small condo in Amelia and that was his, you know, vacation yeah. home. And right. he always, always, always wanted a Porsche and he never even bought one. So, oh, wow. Yeah. So, you know, so totally different kind of mindset. Right. Um, yeah. <clears throat> so I just, you know, my parents are more traditional, you know, they, they, they grew up on the whole, like save money, mm-hmm. retire with what you got. Um, my mm-hmm. husband and I are a little more, um, less risk adverse, I guess you would say. Um, yeah. obviously I've now started two businesses. So mm-hmm. right then and there, yeah. uh, my husband's an aerospace engineer from Georgia tech. So, okay. um, he's certainly not intimidated by me. We'll put that, we'll put it that way. Right. Interesting yeah, dinner so we, conversation. We love doing real estate investment as well. So, um, flipping cool. houses and rental properties. So I, I try and stay on top of it for the most part, but like I mentioned, a really good friend of mine is a financial planner. So I legitimately called him at eight o'clock yesterday morning. I was like, I need some free advice, please. I was yeah, like, right. so should we go like, should we put more money in my Roth IRA or should we just save it to invest in, you know, rental properties? Like, yeah. okay, talk to me. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. You can barter. I'll, I, can I ask you something and then you can ask me stuff later. What would you say is your biggest life accomplishment then so far, either personally or professionally? Or both. <laughs> oh, I asked this question. Um, we do life and legacy interviews for all of our clients. At, oh, so now, yeah, okay. So I'm, this is reverse psychology. <laughs> so I, I know. So I, I ask my clients this question. And almost always, you know, they say they're children. And I, I mean, I, I definitely, you know, my son is two. I didn't love being pregnant. Labor was not fun. Uh, Epidural did not work for me. So I unfortunately had a natural birth, which I was not expecting. You're you're not prepared yet to say that your child is your biggest life accomplishment. You're probably one of the few honest people left in the world. I'm still fighting (laughs) off the PTSD. Um, And then a lot of moms, you know, some of them live for it. and, And that's amazing. My sister is a fantastic mother. Infancy was a, was kind of a hard time for me as well. Mm-hmm. Just that lack of independence and having yeah. something so attached right. to you all the time. Yeah. I adore my son and he definitely is one of my biggest accomplishments and he's already over three feet tall and uh, he's ridiculously athletic and smart. So I, I have a, I have a, I have a bad feeling about this, um, <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, you know, going, I mean, going to law school and honestly starting this law firm. Yeah. I, I really never, ever, ever would have thought I was going to start a law firm. My last business I actually owned was an all women's gym, which okay. I love. And I'm very passionate about health and, uh, and wellness and fitness. So, but I never thought I would open my own law firm. And, uh, and it's just the fact, and, and, I made the investment and I did mm-hmm. the master course and I learned, you know, and it's, it's obviously a continuous learning process. Yeah. Uh, you're always learning, but um, yeah, I'm really proud of that. I mean, especially doing it with a baby and during mm-hmm. COVID. <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, and so, sometimes, you know, I think about like, well, there's never really a good time to do it necessarily. So you might as well do it in the, the first year when all this bad stuff happens, then you can reflect back and, you kind of get that out of the way until the next crisis comes along. Yeah. But you you and mentioned that things are always changing in your industry, you know, laws and such. So how do you stay kind of on the cutting edge of your industry? Is there something that you follow or read on a regular basis? Yeah. So um, absolutely. I mean, I we do conferences, we do our CLEs, you know, we do mm-hmm. everything like that. I have I'm going to the Heckerling Institute in May, which is a huge estate planning conference that's put Mm. on 
I think by um, I think by Miami, the University of Miami. Uh, okay. It's in Orlando, but it's virtual this year. So uh, a couple of attorneys. One is a mom, just like I am, and owns her own firm in uh, Massachusetts in Boston. Okay. The other is in Pennsylvania. Uh, so we're actually taking a girls' trip, and we're going to go uh, down to the beach and watch the Heckerling Institute together. So hey, nice. <laughs> no yeah. complaints about that. Um, but no, I you know I I'm part of this certification and uh, this group, and so we all kind of help each other stay on top. Um, I'm extremely close to a lot of the other estate planning attorneys in Athens mm. and in Georgia that are in my certification. Yeah. I have lunches with them all the time. People think that, you know, we, we, you know, not get along, but we really don't. There's plenty of right. people, you know, 69% of people don't have estate right. plans is what the estimate yeah. is. Yeah. So there's plenty of fish in the fish in the sea for all of us. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, just doing that. And um, on another to, to turn it around because of this, uh, because the law is changing, because our family circumstances change, you know, I also make sure that my clients don't just create an estate plan and forget about it. So yeah. we actually do uh, complimentary three-year reviews with all of our clients. And we offer a membership where they get uh, every year reviews and we do it with their financial planners, you know, to give that full comprehensive outlook to make sure they're still on track to make sure these are people who's maybe you know maybe uh their wealth fluctuates a good bit because they're investors or they own lots of properties or they own a business and so yeah so we do that as well but um it's really important you can't just create an estate plan and throw it in a you know a drawer somewhere about it because things change right now we're looking down the barrel at the estate tax yeah um i'm sure you know lots about that uh, still currently 23 million per couple. President Biden has made it extremely clear that he's dropping that rate. So I don't know what numbers you've heard tossed around, but I've heard, you know, 3 million per individual, mm-hmm. 3.5 per individual. But then, mm-hmm. you know, President Obama tried to drop it to 1.5 per individual. And then not too far in the distant past. I mean, I can remember, obviously, when President Clinton was president. This was 400,000. Yeah. to 650,000 per individual. So, I mean, that's huge. That wasn't that long ago. I don't right. think it will drop that low, but, um, you know, so obviously this is something that a lot of hiring professionals need to really start thinking yeah. about. So obviously, you know, that's part of that three-year review that mm-hmm. we do. Um, because if you're close to that estate tax limit, you, you need to do some planning for it for sure. Yes, for sure. So tell me an interesting or a unique fact about you that very few people know. I'm a really good artist. <laughs> okay. Now, so elaborate on that. I used to do a lot of portraits, uh, okay. charcoal portraits primarily, okay. but I've done some oil paintings, some acrylic paintings. I have no formal lessons in art. Uh, my great-grandfather was a pretty famous artist. He had some paintings in the White House. So I guess I just inherited my, my ability through him. But yeah, I don't really do much of it anymore. Um, I don't have time, frankly. I know. But yeah. it's kind of my retirement plan is I plan on retiring to Amelia Island um, and painting marsh scenes and ocean scenes for the okay. rest of my life. All right, um, there you go. Sell yeah, them on the sidewalk. Right, I like it. So uh, yeah, so somewhere inside of me, and hopefully it's like riding a bike and you don't forget how, because it's right. certainly pretty rusty right now. Yeah, probably, You know, my yeah. nephews have multiple paintings and drawings of them, and my son has none. <laughs> so what is the most exciting part of your business right now? Your most exciting part? Not what you enjoy doing the most, but what's the most yeah. exciting part? I mean, just still growing. Okay. Getting out to the Athens community, the Georgia community. 
it's really, really fun. I'm in a couple of parenting groups. And so occasionally people will, you know, post, Hey, I need to do a will. I need to name guardians. Who's an attorney that you, and to see how many people are already referring me. It's just, I mean, it's really fun watching it grow and being wrapped Mm -hmm. up in that experience. And I like the business side and the networking side. And so I do a lot of networking lunches. I do a lot of, you know, I'm trying to get out into the Athens community more. Um, And I was not the student body president type. So like I was not the person that was uber involved. So I'm having to, you know, kind of break out of my comfort zone a little bit to be like, okay, I need to join, you know, groups. I need to like get involved. I need to be involved in my, my call, you know, my chamber of commerce and, um, and stuff like that. So it's mm-hmm. been, I have to push myself outside of my comfort zone, but, um, well, and I joined a, a tennis team. <laughs> social out, was it a social outlet or was it for networking purposes also? You know, I was a swimmer, so I never really had a whole lot of experience with like hand-eye coordination sports, mainly because I had no interest in playing them. My mom qualified for the Olympics in high school. She broke the record for the mile run um, and was in the Hall of Fame for basketball in college. My sister went to college playing softball and uh, and here I am and I'm like, I know, like, no, I don't like these sports. So no, I do tennis because I love it. Yeah. But also the networking, getting to know more people. You know, I grew up in Athens, but I left for six years. And so it's, I mean, it's kind of like starting all over again. Most of my friends are all gone. Yeah. I picked up pickleball in the last like six months with my kids (laughs) over COVID, which I know is not much running as tennis. But as you can see, I'm a little bit older than you, Trish. So I can't move quite as well as I used to. Pickleball is so popular right now. Yeah, it's it's fun. And you still get a workout. Oh, yeah. um, you less chance of blowing out my knee. So uh, yeah. on the flip side of that other question, think about what do you think is your biggest challenge right now in your business? Not <laughs> for your clients, but you personally, what's your probably biggest challenge? The, probably the same thing, building up a client base, you know, really getting those referrals going, you just getting your name out there, which is interesting since I am about to rebrand. But thankfully, I, th- I feel like most people just kind of associate it with my name. But uh, yeah, just getting it out there, educating people on why they need something more than mm-hmm. just an online will. You know, uh, it's owning a business, you know, yeah. uh, making it profitable and, you know, finding enough clients to work with. But we've grown pretty well for, uh, you know, a small business and we're doing Mm -hmm. pretty good, but I mean, that's always, you know, that's definitely the challenge. So, and then also just learning it all. I had no background in estate planning, you know, before the beginning of last year. And I did that six month master course and really dived into it. And I feel pretty good about it, Mm -hmm. but it's always still learning and feeling more and more confident when talking to people. And so, yeah, but like any business, finding clients, getting your name out there, educating the community. Yeah. and So I, I've seen like in our industry, and I think this is also probably true in accountancy and to some degree in the legal field, is there's a, there's a growing kind of commoditization of those industries. And what I, you know, what I mean by that from commoditization. So how have you kind of see that in either your business or in the legal field? Oh, yeah. Let's see, Rocket Lawyer, uh, willsandtrust.com. There's like some, oh Lord, there's so many of them. And I see ads for them all the time because mm-hmm. I, you know, because obviously I'm constantly posting about estate planning. So, I mean, you're fighting, obviously, you know, fighting that as well as just attorneys. There's one attorney who offers anybody in my parenting groups, he'll do a $90 will for them. 
Mm. And I'm like, wait, what do you mean he'll do a $90 will for you? Like, what, what is this? What does he meet with you? Does he explain what you're doing? Like, how does he do this? Like, I'm guessing you have to go notarize it and get it witnessed yourself. It's certainly not worth his time uh, to do it. Uh, So, I mean, it's just constantly fighting that like, well, why would I come to you when I can do it for so cheap? Oh, I mean, the online attorney services are, we talk about it all the time, but you know, just like uh, people need to find an attorney that fits for them. um, I have a, you know, I have a clientele that fits for me and Mm -hmm. it's definitely people who are willing to learn why I charge the rates I do and Mm -hmm. where the value is in those rates that, you know, it's, I'm creating something that is a very personalized and very comprehensive. We have four meetings. Um, you know, mm. it's a process, you know, yeah. it's, it's paying it up front to make sure that your family doesn't pay, you know, pay it on the back end yeah. and pay a lot more for it and spend a lot more time and end up in a situation like my dad did. So yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just all those online services and all those attorneys that don't honestly, they either don't care or they just don't know. I don't know which one's worse. (laughs) Well, and it could be, they could also be, it could be a lead in for them to offer other services that don't cost $90. Maybe who knows? I wouldn't want to find out. So do you think there's a question that I should have asked you or would you like to expand on anything that you said earlier? No, I I mean, my process is, is, is very, maybe, I guess, maybe just like the difference between my process and other attorneys processes, you know, Mm -hmm. like I said, I have four meetings. Uh, We do something called a family wealth planning session. We send Mm -hmm. out pretty extensive homework to gather more information about their Mm -hmm. assets, which financial planners typically tend to love because it's kind of right up their alley as well. Um, Although we certainly do not give financial advice and we love working with their financial advisor if they have one, because that's super important to get that full comprehensive picture of like their wealth, their plan for, you know, their wealth. But uh, then we do a design meeting. Um, All Mm. of my packages are flat rate. So I think I mentioned that um, the base package that I offer is two wills for each individual, two healthcare power of attorneys, two power of attorneys, two advanced healthcare directives slash living wills. They're kind of named both things. Um, And then also that kids protection plan. So Mm. all of that is included in our base package. I don't do like little piecemeal services for people. Mm -hmm. It's just, you know, I want to make sure that they're fully covered. Um, And if all they're looking for is a will, you know, then I'm not the right, the right fit for them. And it's important for everyone to find, you know, the right fit for them and Mm -hmm. for me to find the right fit for my services. Beyond that, you know, our next step up has the revocable living trust. And then there's other irrevocable trusts that you can start adding in. Um, and then we even have a wealth plan where we uh, will actually fund their trust for them. But mm. in all honesty, I really steer people away from that because it's a lot easier for them to do it than it is for us. And yeah. we really work very closely with them uh, to do it. And then if they do have a financial advisor or planner that, you know, they have investment accounts with, uh, you know, honestly, their financial planner can then just go do it for them. Yeah. So it's so much easier for them to do it themselves and to save that extra money yeah. and not have us do it. So instead we've really created a really close process where we work really closely with them and, and make sure they're funding their trust. And we do a signing meeting. And then our last meeting is a binder delivery meeting. We give them their binder, their USB flash drive. And then we do that life and legacy interview with mm-hmm. them. Uh, so that if anything did ever happen to them, their family has this amazing video where they get to learn more about their parents or, you know, whatever. And then I tell clients, you know, Hey, 
because when you remember your umbrella, it never rains. Just think you can watch this video 25 years down the road with your kids and kind of laugh about it. So, yeah. you know, but, uh, but yeah, so it is, my process is extremely different than most attorneys. And there are uh, certified personal family lawyers all over the country now. I think there's probably about like 10 in Georgia. Okay. Um, I know there's several in Florida. And if, to get this experience, you, I, I highly recommend finding someone, uh, a personal family lawyer that's in your, you know, in your regional area, because it's, we go above and beyond to make sure our yeah. clients are, are fully covered. And if people want to learn more about you or they want to contact you, what's the best way to do that? Yeah. So right now my law firm's name is Butcher Healthfall. And so it's butcherhealthfall.com. Um, I also have an Instagram handle. Uh, it's butcherhealthfall LLC. Every okay. Wednesday, I do a Whiskey and Wills uh, okay. video. It's like a six-minute video where I'm literally just sitting there drinking bourbon and talking about estate planning. Okay. Uh, it's very casual, just kind of a fun thing. You know, it's, it's a serious and kind of morbid topic. So you got to make it right. as relaxed as I try and make it as relaxed as I can. And You're probably a lot like me. I like, I mean, I take what I do very seriously, but I don't take myself too seriously. Yeah, no, I don't take myself seriously at all. <laughs> right. like, as I mentioned, no suits. Um, I am typically dressed a little bit nicer than this. As y'all can see, I'm at the lake right yeah. now. Our house is being renovated. So we got kicked out and my son's sick right now. But, um, but yeah, no, they can schedule a consultation with me online. I offer free 15-minute consultations. I also have um, on-demand webinars available okay. on my website, which are extremely educational. I have one for young families uh, and one for asset protection for medical professionals and hiring professionals. And then soon I'll also have one on special needs. Okay. So there's lots of avenues to learn more without having to immediately talk to me, which I know right. can be a little intimidating for people. Yes, that's great. So Trish, listen, I want to thank you for taking time to be with me here today. Absolutely. Yeah, it's been a pleasure to interview you. I think it was fun. Folks, we've been here with Trish Butcher from Butcher Health Law. And I want to thank all of you for tuning in to the Confident Retirement Podcast brought to you by LPF Advisors, where we're raising the retirement confidence of everyday people to another level, one show at a time. Thanks, and we'll see you next time. You've been listening to the Confident Retirement Podcast with Chris and Mark from LPF Advisors. For more information on them and retiring confidently, please visit lpfadvisors.com. If your ears are pleased and your mind is now at ease, do share the program with your friends and subscribe wherever podcasts are found.